0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to episode four of the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne. You can follow me at Twitter, at NFL. I'm also a contributor to USA Football for offensive and defensive line analysis. And today I have a good show for you. I actually am gonna be talking a little bit about the NFL Combine since that is kicking off next week. And then we're gonna go into a special player interview that I have for you with Detroit Lions left guard, Frank Ragnow. But first, about the combine. You know, I love the NFL combine. Um, You know, when it comes to offensive line play though, I think that it is far less valuable than every other position on the field. You know, I think the, the main idea of the combine was to get all the players in one location to get medical information on them and that's really what NFL teams value more than anything about the combine and then on top of that you know they they have you know 20 plus years of data on these players in terms of athletic testing and measurements so to be able to add this year's crop of players into that you know database is valuable to a certain extent more for some positions than others, but that's what allows NFL teams to establish their baselines and cutoffs and things like that. So I definitely understand the whole purpose of the combine, but when it comes to offensive line play, I think that generally you don't want to ever let it skew. What you saw on film now that isn 't to say that it can 't make you go back and watch film again, which I think that 's the main thing when when you 're talking about the combine if you 're evaluating players you know primarily off of tape, you know because I think that 's what you should do. I mean you want to see how football players play football that 's how you evaluate them. It sounds simple, but it kind of goes by the wayside sometimes if a guy 's arms are an inch longer than this guy 's you know so Um, Still, arm length, that's something that you can look at and factor into your evaluation to a small regard. Maybe a little bit more for tackle than guard or center just because they're going to be dealing with more space. But still, if he's on film and it doesn't look like an issue, I just don't think it's a big deal at all. Um, And then, you know, as far as athletic testing, there's really three Workouts that I think hold the most value for offensive linemen and we'll go through those So the first one that I look at is the three-cone drill Which is one of the most valuable if not the most valuable Athletic testing drills at the entire combine for any position, but for offensive linemen where it translates is You really have to see them do the drill though. I mean the time can have some value when you're comparing it over the years and over other successful players and what their times were I, I understand that but even still the film should trump, you know If they're not as quick as you want to see in terms of their time if they show that level of quickness play speed and Functional athleticism on the field then I always lean towards the film But still when you're watching them do the drill, I think you're able to see their ankle knee and hip flexibility and mobility because the the three cone is basically an l drill that's another name for it so if you picture a capital l that's the um, uh, path that they're going to be taking during the drill so they actually have to turn so it's basically the same thing as a short shuttle except it adds in that element of turning and weaving which i think is so valuable so that's where you really—that's where you get to see guys have to turn, and to see them drop their hips, sink, explode out of breaks. So for offensive linemen, the biggest area is blocking in space, climbing to the second level, um, redirecting, fitting on linebackers and defensive backs in space, pulling. These are some areas that will translate from the three cone drill, on top of just general mobility in the ankle knee and hip which is important in all facets all facets of offensive line play so the three cone i would definitely start out with looking at and that's what i'm going to be looking at after that i think the 40-yard dash obviously doesn't do anything for offensive linemen but the 10-yard so they're going to be recording the 10 and the 20-yard portions of the 40-yard dash the 10-yard i think has a little bit of value because you're looking at that initial burst, that initial explosiveness. It speaks a little bit to speed and uh, acceleration on the field. So, you know, 180, um, 1.80 is uh, sort of a benchmark time that you like to see offensive linemen hit, although plenty of good, very good to elite starters have not hit that, such as Mitchell Schwartz, Rodney Hudson, Ramon Foster, Larry Warford, many other guys. So keep that in mind, Keep you know, take it with a grain of salt, but that's just a benchmark number that you can keep in mind when you're you know, evaluating these guys. And then the last one that I look at is bench press. Now this is a very controversial um, part of the combine, but I, I see some value in it and I'll tell you why. It doesn't showcase play strength or functional strength or football strength, none of that. Really what it, it maybe a little bit of that, but it, what what it really shows in my opinion is their commitment to the weight room and their endurance. So if a player is has been committed to the weight room throughout his college career, it will show up in the bench press a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time because some players just don't get that strong on the bench press. Some players are strong on the football field because if really all players are using their hips a lot more on the football field to generate movement as an offensive lineman to showcase power to stop guys things like that and to move guys than they are their arms or their shoulder complex which is really what bench press is showcasing the hip complex and all the muscles associated in that area are much more translatable to football so you know the squat the deadlift the power clean, the snatch, things that are involving, that that are a compound movement, that are involving multiple um, primary joint areas in the body, like the hips. You know, obviously I think teams and, you know, the combine doesn't do those workouts because the rate of injury might be a little bit higher there, but those would be a lot more valuable um, to track in my opinion. But still, the bench press can show you can give you a little bit of insight into how much that player likes the weight room and is dedicated to it and for offensive linemen that's important you want somebody who loves the weight room and who loves to work on getting stronger because so much of offensive line play is is rooted in strength so there's caveats to that as well because you think of a guy like Cody Whitehair who had no issues with strength on film at Kansas State at left tackle. He put up 16 reps. And, you know, I mean, you know, if an offensive lineman puts up reps in the teens, I think you should always go back and double-check their film and just see, like, you know, does this player really have any strength issues or not? And if you don't see it on film, then disregard it, you know, as far as the bench press. So it's kind of what I think about the bench press the 10-yard dash and the three-cone. And then for defensive linemen, all those as well can tell you similar things. And then I would also really look at the vertical jump and the broad jump because those are really measuring linear explosion. And that's very important for defensive linemen. Offensive linemen to a lesser degree, but still important. But defensive linemen is really where where those two workouts matter a lot um and especially when you're talking about edge rushers and that's where the 3 cone is very valuable as well for edge rushers cuz i mean the whole the name of the game on the edge is turning the corner and getting home so the 3 cone is big there but you know getting a good jump off the ball and uh, being an explosive tackler, things like that, because linear explosion from the broad jump and the vertical jump is really another another mention of actually seeing these guys do it is so important because you want to see their mobility in their ankles, their knees, and their hips. You want to see them triple extend, which is the simultaneous extension of the hip the knee and the ankle at the same time. So triple extension happens on the football field on every play in the trenches, blocking and tackling. That's that's what happens there. So there's some relatability to those two drills. So I would... Highly recommend actually, you know, when the TV pans to them to actually watch it, unless you're there, which would be great because then you can actually see the, and take detailed notes about these guys and their, their level of mobility in those key joints. Um, but still, you know, you can track them, the actual distances and stuff like that, too. So, those are really the drills and, you know, how they correlate to offensive and defensive line play in my opinion but as always the film is king so study as much film as you can i would get more tapes in than rather than getting more years of data from the combine if you're evaluating offensive linemen if you had to pick one of the two areas to spend time in spend time in the film work on contextualizing the film and working hard to understand what's actually happening on the field that's what i try and strive for and i think that the best evaluators, at least the ones that I've gotten the chance to talk to, have done the same thing. So, yeah, hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight. Um, I, I love talking about that, so feel free to reach out to me more on Twitter or um, on here, leaving a review, asking some questions in there. I'd love to to get to those as well. And uh, now I just, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to take you to the interview that I have for you guys with Lions left guard Frank Ragnow. Alright everybody, now I'm joined by Detroit Lions left guard Frank Ragnow and I just want to welcome him to the show. This is awesome to get to talk to him. He's somebody who I I watched a lot of coming out of Arkansas and uh, he he was an excellent player there as a first round pick last year for the Lions. And uh, coming out of Arkansas, he had 33 consecutive starts. He started 18 games at center, 15 at right guard. And it's really neat because he actually played left guard last year as a rookie with the Lions. So he had to change sides and, you know, play that position for the first time. So I thought that was, uh, you know, important context as rookie year. So uh, with that being said, though, uh, Frank, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm really excited to to get to talk to you uh just about kind of your career, your season and and everything. So, I wanted to start with uh Arkansas and just can you talk a little bit about your time there? Um you know, you you primarily played center. You know, you played right guard as well here and there. Um but, you know, just a little bit about your your growth there as a player. And, uh, why you went to Arkansas when you, you know, I know you had a, a lot of other offers, kind of what, what drew you to Arkansas and just how was that experience for you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, uh, going back to high school,
0: <laughs> I was
1: considered to every other school a left tackle. Um, every other school was recruiting me for a left tackle. Even in Arkansas initially was recruiting me to be a left tackle. And then, uh, it was like fall of my senior year, uh, I talked to Coach Bielema at the time and Coach Pittman, and they both said they think I can be a really good center. And uh, I guess that was just kind of an intriguing challenge to me. Um, I had a great relationship with the both of them. So I thought just – that they thought I could come in and I could compete at center right away, along with just my relationship with them. That kind of really drew me down to Arkansas. So that's what kind of started things off. And then um, my freshman year – uh, I was competing at center with uh mitch Smothers. he was a senior at our junior at the time and i played uh i mean we 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 basically went fifty fifty each game and uh we never there was never really a complete change so that whole year I played fifty fifty and then going to that spring ball, the team had thought I could be a pretty good guard so then i uh actually got bowl that um when you get your bowl practices, you get those extra practices before the bowl game. I practiced all at right guard, just kind of getting ready for the next year. And that spring I was the right guard. And then, uh, so my sophomore year I was all right guard at the backup center, if anything, but we were, we were helped. We had a pretty good offensive line. We had a uh, Dan Skipper who's with the Patriots. Now we had uh Denver Kirkland who's on the Ravens. Now we had Sebastian Tortola who had a stint with the Titans and then Mitch Smothers, who, who was pretty solid, so we had a pretty good line that year. And I played all right guard then. Then um, Smothers graduated, so then I, I, I always, I've kind of always had a passion for center. That's kind of always been my favorite position. So once Smothers graduated, I kind of, kind of urged that I would, I would enjoy going back to center. So Pittman moved me back to center. And uh, my junior year is when I guess people really started to notice me as a good football player, if you will. And uh, played, I think I played every game besides one game. Senator, we always had we had a we had a few guys on our line uh, who just needed help with uh, the calls and everything. So I think one game I moved to right guard, or maybe two games I moved to right guard to kind of help the right tackle and help the other kids so we could kind of have our best five. And everybody moving as a moving as one unit, and then um, going into my senior year, obviously I was center, and then the Alabama game that week they told me I was going to play right guard because I could help the right tackle, and then I could help the center as well, and kind of make the center call as that right guard. So that's kind of what we did there, and otherwise I was all center.
0: Yeah, so that's a great spot to pick up on because that game to me stood out so much, you know, in in a long line of impressive games throughout your junior and senior year that I watched. But that game against Alabama, you know, considering the circumstances that you were going through at the time, uh, to to go over to right guard like you did against maybe the best competition that you've seen in college that most people see in college against Alabama's front. And to play as well as you did, I mean, that, that tape was incredible. I mean, you did it all in that game, so it was a ton of fun to watch. But, um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, going from center to right guard that first time and just getting into that stance at right guard and, you know, learning how to, to play that position. Was that a tough transition for you as far as learning that new, you know, trying to ingrain those new movements, you know, firing off different – you know, really, that left foot instead of you know at center where you're you're parallel. You know, like things like that. Like, how difficult was that for you?
1: It was uh, it was definitely difficult. Um, it's just uh, just the balance of your your weight distribution and your stance and being able to know what foot to load off and everything. I'd say run blocking wise, the transition was way easier. It's the pass protection. Because you have a little bit more space at, right guard, at guard, as you know. And then just know, knowing that, knowing your sets and knowing the balance, like you can't, knowing the balance of weight distribution in the sets was definitely the more, more difficult part. Just knowing that I got to keep keep the right angle and keep my uh, weight on my inside steps and everything like that. That was the different, more difficult part, but I'd say that from center to right guard wasn't as hard the transition. It was from from doing center and right guard doing center and right guard then going to left guard that was a little tougher than I expected
0: yeah so as a rookie you went to left guard and yeah I mean you know I mentioned it on twitter at the time and some conversations with some other analysts and stuff you know it's just this is this is a big deal you know the fact that you know you're going from playing center and right guard to switching sides is is difficult and switching sides for offensive linemen in general is really difficult I had TJ Lang on the podcast last week, and we talked about when he made the switch in 2013 from you know one side to the other as far as guard. He went from right guard to left guard, so he actually made that transition himself. And he talked about you know it was pretty difficult at first, you know. And I remember Josh Sitton, uh, another former Packers offensive lineman, compared it to like trying to wipe with a different hand, and he <laughs> he said that last year. Which you know they got a lot of headlines, which I but it seemed like a lot of offensive linemen thought that was that was awesome, you know, in a good comparison, just to describe the awkwardness of it. so you know I mean, you played you had to make that switch, you played left guard you the thing is you started all sixteen games at left guard, you only missed one snap um, and it was due to you know an equipment error, I believe, with your cleat um, so really, I mean, you played almost pretty much every snap over a thousand snaps at left guard against, you know, interior defensive line right now in the NFL, honestly, I think is like the deepest position group in the league right now. I mean there's just every week you're facing great players. So Yeah, there's some dudes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. So talk of you know, I I know you say it's you you said it was difficult, but throughout the season, you know, how how did that go for you? What was your mindset going into each week? Were there certain strengths that you felt like you could rely on um, to to get you through it? Um, And then, like, what did you struggle with the most, do you think?
1: Uh, Well, starting off, I think I struggled with the most was just pass pro. And I think uh, part of it was um, just I was used to my post foot being my left foot. You know, so, like, if you're – even as a center, I would naturally – have my left foot be my post foot. And then, so on the left guard, when you're you're kicking out, you can't have your weight distributed to your post foot on your left. Otherwise, you're going to get beat inside 90% of the time. So I think that kind of was the first, when I look back, was the first part of my problems in pass throw. And then I think what that led to was just a confidence thing. Um, there was it's definitely, I mean, I think offensive linemen, the more confident you are, the better you are as a player. My senior year at Arkansas, I, was, I thought I was the baddest dude on the field. And I like to think I had a pretty good year. And uh, this past year, uh, there are some times where I wasn't as confident, confident that some guys got in my head just because I wasn't as comfortable pass pro-wise. But um, otherwise, though, I mean, the week-to-week approach, I mean, our, our route, we have such a good old line room Um there were so many guys helping me out. I mean, TJ, TJ gave me – TJ would help me with uh, film a lot. We'd, we'd get assigned guys, and TJ would kind of go through, and he'd tell me how to watch film, and he gave me a lot of different tips on the. I mean, I, I I considered myself pretty good at watching film, and I still do, but he definitely took it to the next level, just being able to see if the guy's knowing different things. So that helped a lot. And then just – I mean, there's so guys in the room like Kenny Wiggins – he helped me because I, I my punch in college was more of kind of a, a grab, like a get under and grab and kind of lock you down. And he, he's kind of taught me how to actually punch and strike first and get get a, get that first initial contact before they're within you, within uh, your chest, if you will. And then I mean Taylor De- playing next to Taylor Decker was so helpful. Graham Glasgow, Rick Wagner, I mean all the guys in the room. Have, were a big help week to week and then i think it just the more confident i got better i better i played and i just i think this rookie year as a whole is uh i mean i definitely 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 didn't play the way i wanted to or don't think i reached my potential if you will but overall looking back of it it definitely gave me some confidence now going into my second year that i know i can compete with these and i can be a good player
0: yeah, for sure. That's that's huge. And I, I like that you mentioned the the quality of the offensive line room. It's something that, you know, this is the fourth episode of the podcast, but each guest I've had on, I've had on Joe Staley and Mitchell Schwartz and T J. Lang, I've always asked about the room because just over the years that I've really watched and studied offensive line play, I think it's fascinating to hear about how important the room is and then the different dynamics going on in there, you know, and just the brotherhood that, that happens, you know, in the room. So that's that's very cool to hear about the Lions room last year. I thought that was an interesting mix of the, the players that you mentioned, veterans and young guys. So that's that's cool to hear. And, you know, you definitely did get better, I thought, throughout your rookie year. You know there was like like I said earlier, just some of the competition. You know I think DeForest Buckner was you know real early on. I yeah, remember I yeah. remember that game, and then uh, you know Aaron Donald was later. But so I mean you yeah, saw yeah. you saw some you know some elite guys out there. But and you know with the position change and everything you're going through, the the fact that you didn't miss a start and didn't really miss a snap. I mean that I know that's a huge point of pride for offensive linemen. So that's that's cool. You got to get that under your belt despite the growing pains so that's i appreciate uh, that yeah for sure that's that's awesome so you know one of the things that i was noticing when i was doing research on you in preparation for the show is how how often you know your coaches at arkansas would talk about you know the way you prepared um note taking questions that you asked film study and just your intelligence you know and that really it, it sounds a lot like the qualities that you look for in the center And I know, you know, in Detroit, you got asked to play left guard. Glasgow's at center. Um, Do you have any um, inclination of what you're doing next year? Uh, I I would assume you're probably just going to start at left guard again. But uh, do you have any idea how that's going to go? Or are you just preparing like you're a left guard for 2019?
1: Yeah, I have no idea. So I'm assuming it's same old, same old.
0: Got you. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's interesting because you have a new offensive coordinator coming in this year, and Daryl Bevel, who was with the Seahawks for a long time. And, uh, you know, he was a offensive coordinator for 11 years, and his teams have averaged 132 rushing yards per game over that period of time. So he's a guy who definitely likes to run the ball, which I know offensive linemen love to hear. So. That's that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes. And, you know, if you guys run the ball a little bit more, that would be, I think, probably suit your game a little bit better. Um, well, suit most offensive linemen. You know, I mean, I think everybody in the room wants mm-hmm. to probably run the ball a little bit more. Um, are there areas of your game that you're that you're most confident in? Uh, like, is there certain traits that you feel like on the field, you know, that you can rely on throughout a game uh, more than others?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm, um, I don't know. I always, I feel like I can improve on everything, but I'm pretty confident in my double team blocks and my double team footwork, whether it's a deuce or an ace and whatnot. I'm pretty confident in that ability. I'm confident in my strength as a run blocker. Um, I think I can move guys when I, when, when I want to. And then, I mean, otherwise, I got, I got so much room to improve and I'm just excited to get to that point.
0: Yeah, for sure. So just last thing, you know, as far as uh film study and things that you look for on tape, can you talk about maybe a specific thing that when you're watching film that you try to, to look out for with defensive linemen? Because it's, it's interesting. I've, you know, I talked to Joe Staley about this and, it seemed like his film study, you know, he definitely did it and everything, but there's different levels of how in-depth guys get because then I talked to Mitchell Schwartz and he learned under Joe Thomas and they're very very meticulous about how they study defensive linemen as far as, you know, charting their favorite move, you know, the the the, the move that they use most often, secondarily what side of the field they line up on you know and just really take detailed notes so Mm -hmm. do you think that you're taking you know extremely detailed notes and then um you know kind of what does that look like for you
1: so uh we kind of i'd say we look look at where the guy's going to line up primarily like if is he going to be primarily on the right is he going to be on the left then he kind of get a feel for what his favorite move is on the right and what his favorite move is on the left because some guys have different uh go-to moves whether they line up on the right or the left you uh then you can you can go through the season we uh watch like the first few drives of each game and just to see what their go-to move is to start off the game and just kind of see what they're gonna what they're gonna show you first because most guys will have that go-to move and they'll want to get it in early to see see how you're doing it i mean a lot of guys and then uh so then just kind of see what they what their go to move is in the drive and then you just kinda of see how they play how they'll play a deuce, how they'll play an outside zone fit, how they'll play uh play action, I mean how they'll play whatever a draw and just what their secondary and then third moves and then you can look at you can go to the sideline film and you can uh, look at if they're crowding the ball and if you can and you can see that you watch See if they're what their ball get off is like, because that's a huge that's a huge thing that people don't really realize It's just how good a guy is at timing up the cadence or what his get off is like, because that's a big advantage for defensive linemen when they are able to time up the snap count. And then just like any inklings in their stance, you can notice if they're going to do a twist or maybe if there's a blitz coming from the right, maybe this guy's back foot is farther back. Just to see if he's looping out. Um, I mean, there's there's so many little nuances that we try to find throughout to kind of give us any advantage we can
0: yeah yeah no that's awesome i love love hearing that and i think that's definitely beneficial for some of the players coaches fellow offensive linemen that are listening to just pick up on so yeah man i appreciate um, all the answers the insight and the time and uh, best of luck this season i I really appreciate you coming on thanks man thanks for having me yeah for sure man thanks All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Frank Ragnow and my take on the NFL Combine. If nothing else, I hope that what I said about the Combine and the drills and just the whole evaluation process for offensive and defensive linemen just made you think about it a little bit deeper and just helped your critical thinking with the whole event. Because I think that's really—it's really what we're here for, you know—is to try to make each other better and to think of it from a different perspective and. Hopefully that added some value to, to the evaluators out there who are listening to this and maybe even players and coaches as well. So thank you guys again so much for tuning into this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review. Those things mean a great deal to me. And next week, expect a very well-respected evaluator to come on and join me on the show. We're going to be talking about offensive line prospects at the Combine and also just about the Combine a little bit more in detail as well. So I hope you guys will join me for that. And again, thank you for listening to the Trench Warfare Podcast.